Hi, I'm Jeremy Nansel. Hi, I'm Tom Redden, and this is Fiddle's Pod. So let's hold on. Let's do our thing. Okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm Joe Daly. And I'm Stacey Case. Wait, who and... says it? <laughs> Don't I usually start? And this is Finos Pod. Wait, I start and then you say your name and then you say this is Finos Pod, right? It could be either way. I don't think we have a standardized oh. way of doing it. <laughs> Hi, I'm Stacey Case. And I'm Joe Daly. This is Finos Pod. And this is Finos Pod. Um, okay, so I'm not gonna lie, I didn't get a chance to listen to this one yet because you you were able to get this it, through a little bit faster than I thought. <laughs> but it was made available, was it not? It, yes, dear listener. Joe made this available to me yesterday, but I was not able to pre-listen to it, so I will have to listen to it when it is released with right. everybody else. And we are in a little bit, you know what, in real life, real world, podcasts don't grow on trees. <laughs> you gotta make them. What? And there's, you know, just like anything else, we got schedules. We just did our October summit, which was really good. And then really next good. week, we're going to be in Detroit for KubeCon North America. Yeah, so I know. If- that I, I want to make this podcast so people can listen to it later and be like, why stop talking about what's happening today? But I am very excited to go to KubeCon and see everybody and see the folks and meet new people. Yeah, so. it'll be fun. Here's why it's special, Stacey, because we're going to we're going to meet people. And then they're going to join the foundation. And then I'll be like, we have a podcast. And then they're going to learn, listen to the podcast. And they're going to pick this one first because one, it'll be released. Mm-hmm. And they'll also be like, oh, this topic is really interesting to me. And then they'll be like, oh my gosh, I so relate because they were talking about going to KubeCon and that is where I met them. It's a full circle moment, folks. We bring up right. full circle. And well, for this- all of you who aren't at KubeCon, forget you. No, we still like you. That is our director of community, everybody. Director of community. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So t- talk to me about this one, because I know that the topic for this one came out of a really interesting place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jeremy Nansel was posting a question in Slack, and it got my attention immediately because it was it's just a real world question. He basically asked the question, hey... If you're right-sizing resources, mm-hmm. at what point do you start worrying about code drift? And if you listen to Finn Oops Pod episode, you know, someone right-sized a resource under my direction and caused a rolling production outage. Code drift is when basically the resources don't match the scripts that launch the solution anymore. And it's a great question because that starts to develop a problem in and of itself, which John Wren responded with uh, in the Slack thread as tech debt. And it's true. Mm. The more that the solution doesn't recognize the source of truth of the code, the more tech debt you are incurring. But Jeremy makes a great point is like, yeah, tech debt is not as immediately impactful to my bottom line as this oversized resource is. There is the ideal state, which is you go through and you fix the code and you fix the problem, but there's often a lot more that goes into it. Thus, our favorite answer of whenever anyone asks any FinOps question. It depends. It depends. (laughs) FinOps does not happen in a vacuum. (laughs) That's a t-shirt. There's a shirt for you. 
it happens in the real world with lots of different pressures. Right, right. They had a really great Slack thread. And so is that why you pulled John into it as well? John and Jeremy, they don't work together, do they? Or No, they had never actually talked to each other before okay. other than the Slack thread. Oh, nice. I just really enjoyed the conversation because this is the debate that if FinOps practitioners aren't having this debate, they need to consider it because they're both right. Neither of them are wrong in the debate. And they both agree with each other and they both understand each other's point, but they both have to do what's best for their companies. Jeremy is a cloud architect at Euronext in France. And John is a DevOps engineer in the Netherlands working for a company called Bucks. Wait, let me get this right. Joe, John, and Jeremy were in a conversation together talking mm -hmm. about this, having never spoken about it before. And that's what y'all captured. Yeah. And they really hit it off. And there was actually 10 minutes I removed because they started getting really technical about potential solutions. And I'll be honest, they went way over my head. And at the end, I think they saw me staring at them and they were like, perhaps this is too technical for a podcast. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to remove that part. So uh, basically reach out to them if you want to get the technical bits. <laughs> you know, what's awesome though about this though is how this all came about, right? Again, here's folks that are in the community. It's not someone that, you know, that we've had specifically talk anywhere before, but it's literally just, the, this is what you as our community is going through. This is the questions mm -hmm. that you have. These are the responses that you provide. And I think that's the whole beauty of this podcast as an extension of the community is we're able to amplify those conversations so other folks can learn from them, right? Like you may have missed that Slack thread, but hopefully now listening to this, you're going to be able to be like, aha, yeah, okay, I got it. I can relate or, or not. Maybe this is not a topic for you, but I think that's just one of the really awesome things about having this as an extension of the community. I mean, yeah, it's, it was, I mean, I feel very strong. I joke that I, I joke that I tease the community, but I, I do love them. I feel strongly about it. And these are the types of conversations that I feel, I feel don't get the visibility mm from the industry because so much of it, I mean, prescriptive advice is amazing. It's great and it's useful, but like I said, you got real world competing priorities. John represents the, here's the ideal way to do it. And Jeremy represents the competing priorities side and how do they work together and mesh? And it's a good conversation. And I think we can just let them have it. Awesome. Well. Take it away, gentlemen. I really enjoyed the conversation from Friday, September 9th. Jeremy, you asked, you asked a question. Do you want to say what question you posted into the Slack? Yeah. So the question was about how to make work together code drift and automatic FinOps actions, because we are actually having that issue at the moment. We have resources in dev and so on that are not used anymore, but we want to delete them. But if we delete them using some kind of basic automated action, then we end up with code drift and afterwards end up in technical debt. But the thing is, sometimes when you do that deletion, it saves you so much money that maybe maybe it's worse to have a little technical depth over that. And afterward, John uh, 
John <laughs> answered a very, very interesting response. Yeah, John, I see your response is like, it's so important because it's the ideal. Can you explain your perspective of how, yeah. how what the answer is? <clears throat> yeah, I see what technical depth is. I see uh, how, it, uh, how it occurs. I see how it exists. Um, I've been in both sides of the story. I've been a product owner doing a team that uh, did some uh, infrastructure engineering, a lot of infrastructure engineering. And I've been an engineer. And uh, what I would consider the most important thing is there is the single point of truth. If for any reason you have a drift between your infrastructure and your infrastructure as code, you might as well not do it because Basically, people rely on the infrastructure as code to do their work. And if there's drift, people do stuff that either uh, doesn't work because it isn't as they expected, or even worse is the situation. It's a big anti-pattern for me, both as an engineer and as a product owner, which uh, it's always been, well, the goal for me to limit the amount of technical debt and even to to make sure it doesn't automatically get created because that's basically what's happened. I think if you do automatic action. Right. And John, you, I have personal experience. I've shared on previous episodes of the podcast where there was infrastructure as code. We used a third party automation tool that changed what the infrastructure looked like. And it had catastrophic implications because of how the code worked. I always kind of hesitate. I, I, at least I advise like, Hey, before you use automation, check first, <laughs> don't be so fast with automation. Oh no, I, I'm more critical of automation. You have to have automation, but make automation do the right stuff. If your, uh, infrastructure is completely defined by infrastructure as code, which it should be, which is an ideal situation, have your automation. Edit the code. So basically, uh, then you, you edit the source of truth and then even the, the technical lab doesn't get created for you, you just have influence on it. Mm -hmm. I want to say the worst thing is that I definitely agree with you. I hate technical debt on going over and over again on the same stuff because it gets updated with uh, an out of process way. And I could not agree more on that, but. Sometimes, sometimes it's good. It's, it's ideal. It's let's say, I don't know how to say, but when you arrive on an infrastructure that has a, a proper state, you know, proper processes and, and so on, I would say, uh, fixing technical adaptions is definitely a must, but at some point, I'm sure there will be a lot of listeners and people as well that do work, that do arrive in a place where there's already a kind of big technical debt. And actually we're talking about FinOps here. So if you make some saves by adding some technical debt, it can help the managers free some time for you and your colleagues to afterwards fix the remaining technical debt. Because at some point, if you spend that much in, in cloud resources, then well, your margin for doing stuff outside of new features and fixes is limited. But if you show your manager, that was actually my situation. I wanted to show that I was giving them something, giving them some savings on resources that were unused or 
oversaw is or something like that. And by doing that, I was hoping that it would free the team some time to get into a better state, you know, small step by small mm -hmm. step and so on. Yeah, but the question is, do you free the team? Because basically what you do is you create technical debt, which is an extra burden for the team, which it makes it more difficult to do troubleshooting because people actually have to watch what the truth is instead of relying on the truth that is in their source control. So, yeah, I can imagine on the one side you want to do some save, uh, some savings. We should do that. But by doing so, on the same time, creating technical debt and creating more work for the engineers to solve the technical debt, do you really save stuff? Do you, do you have savings or do you pay less for infrastructure and more for human resources? Because basically, the engineer is often the most expensive part of the infrastructure. That's not the two or three or ten VMs. I find this so, so, so interesting because it's real life, right? There is a, yeah, of course, fix the code. But Jeremy, I empathize with you so much because I understand like, hey, there's multiple pressures influencing that decision. I think one of the problems I made was, oh, let's right size and then walk away. Whereas at least you're saying, let's right size or shut it down or delete it and then focus on fixing it. And then John, your point is, no, just fix it because you're creating additional burden outside of your cloud bill on that. But there, there's so many different pressures that go into those sort of decisions. It's a debate that I think every FinOps practitioner and every company IT department needs to take when focusing on the FinOps value of their cloud perspective. Jeremy, what was the team's reaction, the application team's reaction to this? Well, the thing is the application team, if I can say, when we have to do things like that, we first have to, we have some monitoring system that says, okay, that resource is underutilized or not utilized at all. So uh, one part of the thing that is problematic is sometimes tagging is not as good as expected. And we have to look into it and find uh, across the organization, the one guide, if he's still there that is responsible for, for the application. So from what I could see, when we find some people and say, okay, you have that resolve that is not good. It's okay for them. I mean, it's normal. It's just that they would find normal to avoid that cost, but we needed to set up the processes in place in order to fix those. So this part is quite easy. When you manage to find the owner, the owner says, yes, okay, it's maybe time consuming, but then you stay in line with Infra's code because you do the update yourself and then you remove the stuff and it's automatically deleted through your deployment system and everything is fine. The complicated stuff is mostly when you don't find any owner. And I work in the financial world where regulation is quite heavy and it's very sensitive to delete anything, basically in any environment, because we have some regulation that says that some stuff have to be kept for 10 years and so on. So it's a little bit complicated. We have to snapshot stuff and maybe to destroy or to just to pose. We have different decisions. There's no one pattern to solve everything. So 
at some point we need to make some choices and sometimes we say, okay, we're going to take more time and, and solve it through, uh, through proper processes. And sometimes we can save so much money by one action that you say, okay, uh, doing that now and fixing later, okay, it, it introduces, uh, some technical depths, but for a month or two, we will not have to pay that we would, uh, otherwise. I understand John's view, and I agree that engineer time is uh, is actually uh, hidden, very expensive cost. So, uh, as yeah, I said, no yeah. easy choice. Yeah, but I see two things that trigger me. The first one is you just you, you modify resources you don't uh, have the owner from yet. I mean that. That sounds a bit like, well, the, the whole fitness practice was introduced uh, across walk and run stage. And one of the first stages you always go to is the inform. So make sure you have the right information. And it almost looks like you're uh, trying to run. So you're trying to do the automation, which is basically about the last stage you can get in your fitness maturity. While the inform phase, isn't complete yet because you don't know who the owner is, but you try to take automated responses based on that resource. That, that, that would seriously scare the whole item. And the second is uh, when I started my FinOps journey, um, uh, I really, I thought it was the next thing after DevOps. In DevOps, you could integrate developers, uh, operations people, you could use the same tooling, so you use the same speed. And uh, when FinOps just started, I hoped it would be the same thing. So you would have an engineering team actually talking to finance and doing the work. And I see more and more FinOps teams just as more a central team without that engineering engagement. And how do you manage that? Because basically, uh, yeah, how, how do you distinguish the FinOps team then from a team like uh, security, quality? Etc. All those teams that try to influence the backlog for the infrastructure uh, engineers. But yeah, John, both points are really good because the first point is, you know, like that inform phase. <laughs> if you don't have really good tagging, that is a form of technical debt. And <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh out loud as you're describing taking automation, which is a very mature run state sort of thing, and then but using really bad tagging to drive it, that is kind of dangerous. Uh, indeed, indeed, this is dangerous. And indeed, we missed out what would have been the proper processes. But the thing is, getting the inform phase can be challenging with huge technical depth. So waiting for the end of the inform phase before moving to the other ones, it's the proper process indeed, but management will not see it that way if all the time you spent, if the info phase is used to reduce your, your cloud spent at the end of the month, at the, at the end of the year, they are still not seeing improvements, but only by you adding tagging. So we also have, we also have some initiatives to fix tagging all over our infrastructure. But in the meantime, unfortunately, we have some budgets that we were on the point of exceeding and. At some point, when you have that kind of situation, you cannot help but look into your overall costs and see, okay, is there anything I can do that can be qualified as a quick win? 
this is why I absolutely love this conversation because John, you're, you're right. But Jeremy, you're also right. It's just like, I don't always have the time because, you know, the boss, the management, the business is like, you know, it's, it's kind of an impossible situation, but they're like, deliver <laughs> right now. Yeah. I want to go back to what you said, John, and you posted it in the Slack thread. And I liked how you said it, that you were saying in two points earlier. The second point was that, you know, you were excited about FinOps because you thought it was going to bring the financial impact and engineering engagement together closer. And that's, you often are seeing teams that add just another layer in between finance and engineering. And that exists for a reason for a lot of companies. And they do a good job translating between the two. However, I think it's really interesting that if you have a centralized FinOps team, you really do need engineering skill set to jump into these conversations. And I think that's what you're trying to say, John, is there needs to be engineering solutions to problems like these. Yeah, that's at least my personal belief, strong belief, that each FinOps team should have a senior engineer to just do an impact analysis, just to think and code. Just like each FinOps team should have a well-educated finance specialist that really knows the processes. Because I remember I studied for the practitioner exam and I came into terms like amortization. I was like, okay, this has been since high school economics that I, I think I did this, but please, uh, I don't know anymore. It's been 20 years or something, so nope. Every team needs the different disciplines. And I'm not opposed to a centralized FinOps team. FinOps teams require some sort of helicopter view over the teams. But it should really have an engineer in them. Just like it should really have a finance professional in them. And preferably a software engineer too. Not just the infra engineer, but the software engineer. Now, they need a software engineer. Because basically, the software engineer can also have the efforts. Because what will they do? Will they have serverless function? The software architect can uh, easily make good judgment on whether to use serverless frameworks to use, for example. He can get the impact on the application. And FinOps doesn't end with infrastructure. It's one of my long-term thoughts is the, the separation between software and infrastructure will be gone to an end. Basically, infrastructure is always about four or five years behind on software development. I, I love it. It's so true because you're talking about infrastructure as code and deployment as code, pipelines and all that, but there are still plenty of applications that are launching through the console, but they won't always be, and they need that modernization path forward and software engineers probably really good path uh, insights there. I love the conversation as much as I love the Slack thread. This is real life FinOps debates and actions. I think it's so valuable to give attention to. So I want to thank you both for being here and, and having this conversation further with me. Yeah, but it's really nice to have to talk with peers and to know, to get more insight in, in what the other people do. Indeed, indeed. Even, even the Slack is inspiring about some different use cases and being able to talk is uh, actually great at another level, uh, but it's, it's uh, actually great to be able to exchange with everyone, uh, with you guys, uh, with, but with anyone about best practices, how to 
how to do what, what, who we should include in teams and so on. It's, it's very inspiring, especially for me, who's let's say young, uh, and, uh, in the FinOps world. So really, really, I'm really glad that we had that, that conversation together. Hmm. 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 Things that make you go, hmm. Now look folks, like we said, podcasts don't grow on trees and neither do music rights. And if I had the money to get the music rights to CNC Music's factories, things that make you go, hmm, I'd be playing it right now because that conversation makes me go, hmm, what would I do in that scenario? How would I handle that? And honestly, rather than me buy the music rights and play it under this right now, I recommend you go and look it up on YouTube. It's a good music video, 1990, the glory days of music videos. But back to the conversation at hand, this is a real debate, the type of thing that when I was a practitioner, you had to consider what was the best way to go about it. You know, unfortunately, not everything is in code. And the only thing you have is the console and launching through the console. You would hope you get more mature and start launching the solution through code. And then you start launching the solution through pipelines. And this conversation gets a lot easier as your application stack matures, but not everyone is at that same maturity. So these are the considerations and debates that you have to have. Hey, we can right size this now and stop the expense, but we are creating more expense later if we leave this tech debt and code drift behind in our wake. Great conversation. Great insights from Jeremy and John. If you have any questions, reach out to Jeremy and John on our FinOps Foundation Slack. And if you don't have access to our FinOps Foundation Slack, then head over to finops.org and click join the community. We'd love to get you involved. Big thanks go out to Jeremy Nansel and John Wren. Thanks for being willing to have the conversation and letting me record it and share this with the community. Thank you to Stacy Case, always bringing the energy. Can't wait to do KubeCon with you and Suha and JR. Stop by the booth and say hello to us if you hear this and you happen to be in Detroit. If not, hey, there'll be other conferences. You can say hello then, we're friendly. Come say hi. And that is all for this episode of FinOps Pod. See you next time.